in the book of Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. I don't know about you, but I'm glad my God's on the throne. After, uh, you know, I don't know how you feel about the election, but I didn't even worry about it. It's in God's hands. I voted the way I felt like I should vote, and God voted. And that's what it is. So I'm thankful he's on his throne, and he has decreed from eternity to raise up kings and dispose of them too. So we just praise him. And I can't help but believe that some of the issues that the people who received this letter of revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, were going through some very trying times when it was given to them. Now, they probably were facing much greater trials than we are facing. They were facing great and severe persecution. And this letter of revelation was given to them as a letter of comfort. It was never, and I will underline that, never given as a book of fear and suspect and all the stuff we hear about today that was a book of comfort for God's people. And it has been a book of comfort for God's people since it was given to them, and it continues to be a book of God's comfort because on every page we find that the Lord Jesus reigns, and he is successful, and he is victorious, and he's victorious on over every enemy of God and every enemy of the church. He has been, he is, and he will continue to be victorious over every enemy of the church. Now, in this fourth chapter of the book of Revelation, we find that the Lord allows John to see the beginning of a great vision. Uh, he has been called up in a place to observe what the Apostle Paul was not permitted to write about. Paul said he saw things that he just could not write about. In fact, he was uh, given a thorn in the flesh to prevent him from talking about it. And he begged three times that that be relieved from him, and God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. So John gets to write about it. Now, it is figurative, and if we try to interpret it literal, we're going to find ourselves in severe trouble. But if we look at this as a figurative book declaring the glory of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, then we're just going to have a grand time and enjoy every minute of it. And when we come to places that we can't see what's there, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it because Christ is there. We just haven't seen it. You may have, and you can talk to me about it and say, I think this is what that's about. But uh, it, it's just a great book. Let's look here in chapter 4. As we've seen in chapter 1, the greatness of God is declared in the, the picture that John uh, was permitted to see. And then in chapters 2 and 3, the letters that John was to write to the seven churches of Asia, which represent the church in every age, and shares with us the issues that face a church in every age. And the only answer to every problem is Christ in every age. Let's just stick with him. Uh, he, just keep the main thing the main thing. And that's what he was telling the seven churches of Asia, just keep the main thing the main thing, and that's Christ. Keep him centered, and all things will be well. 
After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a thunder, uh, excuse me, a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I'll show you things which must be hereafter, or take place after these things. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. What a sub sublime, beautiful picture we have here as he explains what he saw. He that was set was looked like uh, upon like a jasper and a, and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne, and the sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting. And we looked last time, when we were at this verse of Scripture, we looked and saw that this is a beautiful statement about the church in every age. There was the church in, under Old Testament economy. There were people saved under the Old Testament economy, not by the sacrifice of bulls and goats, but by the grace of God, by the preaching of the word, by the declaration of God Almighty, and uh, through the faithfulness of God and to his people, through the Spirit, they were brought to Christ in the same way they're brought today. And he used the types and shadows and pictures of the sacrifices. We look at those today in two emblems that we uh, review. As we go to the scripture and as we observe it from time to time, we don't have the animal sacrifices, but we have two shadows. We have two pictures. One of them is baptism. The other is Lord's Supper. And we'll declare fervently that there's no grace in these. They're just a picture. They're a type. They're a shadow. And uh, I've mentioned many times, and I don't know, Sherry's probably has a great menu too, but I used to think of Denny's menu as being the menu of all menus, beautiful pictures, but I'd never be satisfied with sitting down and eating a menu. I wanted what those represented. And we want the same thing. We don't want baptism there's no grace in baptism there's no spiritual significance in baptism it's a picture give me christ and the same is true about the lord's supper they're emblematic they get they're an emblem they're a picture they're a type he even mentions that the lord did and he said this is the new covenant in my blood well it's not in a cup it's in christ so this is a glorious statement they had their obser observances, we have ours, but we're saved by the same grace, we're saved by the same word, we're saved by the same Holy Spirit, we're saved by the grace of God and nothing else, and he's only saved people that way. And it's recorded in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, by faith. And that's the same way God saves his people today, by faith. Now, here it tells us that there were four and twenty elders, uh, four and twenty seats, and they're all full. And that's a statement about the completed church, old economy, new economy, in all ages. Now, the printers of our Bibles do us a great injustice when they put a lot of stuff between the completion of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. We think of them as two separate books, but they are not. It is the Word of God. It has the same message. And we must remember that all of the ministry of the Apostle Paul, he used Genesis to Malachi to preach the gospel from because that's all there was. He was being used to write what we have as much of the New Testament. And the Lord Jesus Christ used only Genesis to Malachi 
to preach the gospel and instruct his church. And all of those preachers in his day, the apostles, they only used the Old Testament and, uh, as we know it. This part, the old economy. And uh, that's what we find the Philip brought the great message there in the book of Acts to the Ethiopian eunuch was in the 53rd chapter of the book of Isaiah. So there's the church, and it's the completed church, and there's no empty seats, and there's not too many seats. It is complete and full, and it's represented being around the throne of God, around the throne of the Lord Jesus. Now, looking here in verse, uh, verse uh, 4, I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and that's just a beautiful, beautiful picture of the righteousness of Christ. That is our only true clothing. God had to clothe Adam and Eve, and he must clothe his church. Now, he clothed them symbolically. He clothed them with the skins of animals. He clothed them with a substitute. And we, too, must be clothed with the substitute. We must be clothed with Christ. We must have him as our righteousness. We must not just say, I want the righteousness of Christ. We must say, I want him as my righteousness. When It's not separate. We're not going to get Christ's righteousness separate from Christ. We're going to have him as our righteousness. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 shares with us that he is our righteousness. He is all the righteousness that is represented. And here this church is sitting and clothed in white raiment, and they had on their head crowns of gold. Now, on verse 5, we'd like to spend a little time there tonight. And the th out of the throne proceedeth lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Now, would you turn with me to the book of Hebrews? I would like to look tonight at uh, three things in this verse of Scripture. One of them is the throne. The second thing is the lightnings and the thunders. And the third thing is the seven spirits. In this verse 5, out of the throne proceedeth lightnings and thunderings and voices. Turn with me back to the book of Hebrews, chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, we find that uh, the Apostle Paul was used by the Holy Spirit to leave us a wonderful, wonderful book and a wonderful, wonderful passage of Scripture here in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 8. But unto the Son, he saith, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8, unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever, ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Now, in this verse of Scripture, we find what is plainly taught throughout the Old Testament and also continued throughout the New Testament, and that is the throne of God is an eternal throne. It has never ceased. There is no beginning and no end to the throne of God. It is a representation of his constant rule over all things. He has never relinquished that rule. He will always have it. And we see it behind us. And we know it's true in front of us. History declares that God has ruled. And we take it confidently that he rules the future too. We don't know the future. We don't know what lies ahead in the future. But we are confident 
that he rules and reigns in the future, and he has determined all things whatsoever that shall come to pass. He rules over all things. And he rules so seriously. And he rules so righteously. And he rules so holy. And he rules with such intensity that nothing is without him. From the smallest atom to the largest complex uh, series of stars in the heavens, he rules over them uniformly. He rules over the fish of the sea. He rules over the animals. The cattle on a thousand hills belong to him. I, I take great joy when I witness in the scriptures that fish coming up to the seashore and allowing an apostle to catch it so he can take a gold coin out of its mouth to pay taxes with. I, take, I just love that verse of scripture, that passage there about God's absolute rule over all things, even the fish, the donkeys, the horses, everything. He used a donkey to ride on that had never been ridden on. He showed his great power riding that donkey. And he rides the, the waves of the sea, the scriptures say, and he rides the, the wind, the scriptures say. He has an absolute, he's in a boat, and there's a tremendous, boisterous wind. Real close to the Dalles, that boat was. <laughs> and he caused it to cease in an instant. And that's what he does to the souls of his people when he speaks peace to them. There is a great calm. So he is absolute rule. And it says here, thy, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. And God's people take comfort in now, same book, chapter 4. <clears throat> chapter 4. We have the opportunity, and we're going to see this in just a moment, that when it talks about lightning and thundering around the throne, a lot of people are going to take a lot of fear there. I, boy, my goodness. It just, it's awe-inspiring, awe-striking. But there is no fear in God's people approaching the throne of God. We have been welcomed into his presence because of the blood of Christ. Here in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it tells us here, uh, for some, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 16, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, it doesn't matter what it says about that throne. We can come boldly. That if there's thundering and lightning going on, it's to our benefit, <laughs> If there's thundering and lightning going on, it's to our good. It speaks good to us and not ill. It does not create fear in us. It, it creates awe in us, reverence in us. That's what this thundering and lightning is. And it may be other things implied there, but my goodness, we're not coming to Mount Sinai. We're coming to Mount Zion. We're not fearful to even come and approach that mountain, we're welcome to the mountain. In Mount Sinai, if an animal even touched it, there was to be someone there with a spear and thrust it through. This is a holy place. It's still a holy place, but God has made his people holy, and they can approach it with confidence and love and grace. Come boldly to the throne of grace. 
So whatever's going on, it's positive. <laughs> whatever's going on, it's good. Whatever's going on, we're welcomed. And it's awe-inspiring. And I mentioned the other day, I read concerning thunder. You, people tell you things about thunder, excuse me, about lightning, and you go do a little research and find out, without lightning, we could not exist on this earth. It does something to the air. And I don't remember how many thousands and thousands of lightning bolts an hour strike this earth. And if it wasn't for that, there wouldn't be life on this earth. It's absolutely essential. And out of the thunder comes the lightning. So it's an essential thing that God is declaring here. And it is essential to our spiritual well-being that we approach this throne. And we approach this throne through Christ. But we approach this throne boldly because of grace. Now, turn with me, if you would, to chapter 8 of the book of Hebrews, and we read this with regard to that, to that throne. It's a glorious throne. It speaks of God's great sovereignty. It speaks of his absolute control of all things. He is king of kings. He is lord of lords. He is, he is dog catcher of dog catchers. <laughs> he is to everything, to every issue, he is supreme. Nothing surpasses him. He has everything in his hand. Now notice here in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 1, <clears throat> now the things which we have spoken, this is the sum, we have such a high priest. I like that. If you want to reflect on all that we've seen, this is what its total is. This is the sum. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. We have the throne of of the majesty, he has sit at the right hand of the throne of majesty in the heavens. Now, we have seen many times in the scripture that the, this high priest, our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, the high priest, is the only high priest in all the scripture that ever did this, sat down. His work was finished. Their work was never finished. His work was complete. It was finished. Redemption was to be had. It was given by the grace of God. And in chapter 12 and verse 2 of this, would you turn there with me? Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, as we think about this throne, <coughs> excuse me, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, there's not many thrones. There's one throne. And this throne is the same throne we find over here in the book of Revelation chapter 4. This is the throne of God. This is the throne of grace. This is the throne of majesty. This is the throne of Jesus Christ. He sit down at the right hand of the Father on his throne. There is an absolute distinction between this throne and every other throne that has ever been built. This throne is forever. It's not the throne of Nebuchadnezzar. It's not the throne of Cyrus. It's not the throne of David in Jerusalem. This throne is an everlasting throne. It's an 
from everlasting to everlasting. He's just declaring that. And we're not, if there's a throne in heaven, that's God's business. But what he's saying is, I'm king. I'm supreme. I'm sovereign. And the best way we can see that described is a throne and him sitting on it. King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, in this chapter 12 uh, of Hebrews, look at verse 18 with me. Chapter 12, verse 18. Now, there at that throne, there's proceeding lightnings and thunderings. I don't know how many times preachers have used these verses to scare people into a profession of faith, and all you got was scared people with a profession of faith. That's not the purpose of the book of Revelation. In fact, that's not the purpose of the gospel. It's never to be used as scare tactics. It's to be declared. Now, if God scares us, that's his business. But we should never use it that way. Now, notice here. Sinai is a fearful place. Zion, this throne, these lightnings, these thunderings, this is not a fearful place. This is comfort to the bone. Now, it's going to keep the enemy away and protect us. It's going to declare to us, he is mighty. There's comfort here. There's life here. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18 says, for ye are not come unto that to the mount that might be touched and burned with fire, nor with blackness and darkness and tempest. We've not come to that mountain. We've not come to Sinai. We're not coming there in book of Revelation. We're not coming to a fearful place. We're coming to a place of green pasture. We're not coming to a place of fear and being scared and everything going awry. We're coming to a place of absolute protection. If you've got someone in control of thunder and lightning on your side defending you, it's a pretty good place to be. Those sons of thunder said, call down lightning and destroy these people. Well, on this side of the lightning, it's okay. <laughs> it's a good place to be. Now here it says, And the sound of trumpet and the voice of words, which voiced they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. That's a serious verse of scripture. We don't want to hear this anymore. Now to God's people at Mount Zion, would you go over this again? The songwriter put it this way. Tell me the old, old story. Would you repeat it one more time? Verse 20. For they could not endure that which was commanded. Now that's interesting too. They just couldn't keep it. Even though they said they could and would. They, for they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a spear or dart. Now that's just God's word about how holy this place is. 
the law just declares the holiness of God. We're going to see down here that the, uh, the four living creatures, the words out of their mouth is holy, holy, holy. Dr. Hawker in his commentary I was reading tonight says, you never find any place in the Bible where it ever says sovereign, sovereign, sovereign is God or any of the other characteristics or attributes. The only thing that we ever find in these triplets is holy, holy, holy. Now, if you have a God that is holy, you have a God that is sovereign. You have a God that rules. You have a God that redeems. You have a God, all of the other characteristics and attributes. But if you're just touting one of the characteristics and attributes, then you don't have this God. This God is holy. And he's thrice holy, mentioned in Isaiah chapter 6, Mentioned here about those four living creatures, the King James uses the word beast, and that's an atrocity. They're just wonderful living creatures. And their comment is, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Now notice here, Hebrews chapter uh, 12, it says in verse uh, 21, And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I indeed fear and quake, but ye are come. You're come. We're not come to that place. Lord doesn't save anybody at that place. Lord doesn't give any hope at that place. There's no peace at that place. There's only fear at that place. And we are invited to come boldly to the throne of grace. We're invited to come on friendly terms to this throne. We're invited, even though there is thundering and lightning which is just pictorial of his great grace and protective power to us, even though it's going on, we're coming in quietly, respectfully, awestruck about the greatness of our God, but coming in boldly to the throne of grace. As it says here, you're come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to the innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to the God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. We've come to Mount Zion, and we're approaching that as we step into this book. God allows us to be in this position every day of our life after he regenerates us. This is not a once, one-time deal. I get to go to the throne of grace today. I've been waiting for years. No, it's an every day activity that we get to approach the throne of grace we're there as much as we'll ever be there but we get to approach it every day we get to come in boldly every day we get to see the grace of God every day and all of this respectful honor that he is displaying there the thundering and the lightning there is no fear in it to God's people the cross is not fearful. Blood is not fearful. Everything about the cross, God's people say, thank you, God. We would never say, as has been said, if I were here, I wouldn't have let it happen. We would say, it better happen. We need this. We need this sacrificial lamb. We need this redemptive lamb. We need this sacrifice. We are desperate the Lamb which taketh away the sin of the world. Now, 
If you would, go back to the book of the Psalms, Psalm 68, as we think about this lightning and thundering. These do not pose a danger, but instill, instill respect and honor and thanksgiving. There is no fear for the saints to approach the throne of God. Now, we find in here in the book of the Psalms, Psalm 68, that we are awestruck. Psalm 68 and verse 35. We are awestruck. We're awestruck in a sunset. <laughs> Boy, when we see a beautiful sunset, we're awestruck. We were up there in those mountains. We got up at 2.30 in the morning. So we could start our trek up into the mountains at 3.30. And halfway up this mountain, we stopped and looked heavenward. Because there's no light. I mean, there's no porch lights. And there's no night lights. There's just stars. Millions of them. Bright. We just stopped. We were awestruck. Even those guys that could care less were awestruck. We just heavenward. The, the constellations, the Big Dipper, the Polaris, the North Star, we stopped in our tracks. We just, they were so bright, so beautiful. We're, we're awestruck with a sunset. We're awestruck. You look, we saw the tamaracks turning yellow up there. Thousands of them across those panoramic views. We're just awestruck at the beauty of God's world. We're awestruck at God. We come into his presence through his word. We, our tongues are stopped. Our jaws drop. His greatness is so great. I've said this a hundred times since I've been here, and I'll just keep saying it. He's never found to be less than we thought. Now, we may find people that way, but we'll never find God that way. He is always greater than we thought, greater than we anticipated, greater than we found him yesterday, even in the word. <laughs> now, notice this, Psalm 68, verse 35. The scriptures share this. It says, O God, thou art terrible out of thy holy places. We're awestruck. That word terrible carries with it the... The, the thought of being awestruck. Stepping into his presence, our mouth stops and our jaw drops. It's, it's so overwhelming. And he goes on to say here, The God of Israel is he that giveth strength and power unto his people. Blessed be God. Now, if we just stop there and says, Oh God, thou art terrible. In our vernacular, in our language, we'd say, what in the world? But let's read the rest of the verse. He says there, out of thy holy places, the Lord of Israel is he that giveth strength and power unto his people. Blessed be God. Let the thunder go on. <laughs> Let the lightning strike. Whatever it means. It is significant to us in the fact that he is God and, and beside him there is none else. He is the one that gives his strength to his people. He's the one. He's the God of Israel and gives strength and power to his people. You know what that means? He's our motor. In him we live and move and have our being. 
It is in him that we have all that we are ever going to be and all that we're ever going to have. He is our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He is our all our power. Uh, one of the uh, my favorite cartoonists doesn't do his cartoons anymore, but I have a collection of them. Gary Larson, Farside, and he showed uh, in one of his cartoons the boneless chicken ranch, and all the chickens can't get up, you know, because they're boneless. Yeah, and I get a kick out of him. I get a kick out of that. And without Christ, that's us. We're just boneless. We have no, we can't do anything. He is our structure. He is our, the one that upholds us. He is the one that underpinions us. He's the one that gives us breath and life. Turn with me to Joel. Joel. Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah. Joel, last chapter of the book of Joel, chapter 3. Joel 3, 16. The Lord also shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth shall shake. Don't stop there. Let's keep going. Now he's talking about his power. One day he was fed up. He opened up the earth and swallowed. I mean, opened up the earth. One day he sent a great fish to pick up one man. One day he spoke to one man and says, you know, I realize that you think you're the only one, but I have 7,000 that have not bowed the knee to Baal. How, how gracious God is in those times to come to one and share with him, I'm the God and I have 7,000 of my anointed elect that have not bowed the knee to Baal. Now that's an encouragement to us. Now let's read the rest of this verse. Verse 16. But the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. Do as you will. Roar as you want. Lightning as you feel it. Thunder as you care. But you are our hope. You're all our peace. You're all our hope. As he shares here in verse uh, 16, the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. Do as you please, but you're our hope. Uh, Job, he said there, it is written that uh, I've heard of you with the hearing of the ear. But now my eye seeth you. Now, as we close this, go back to the book of Revelation with me, chapter 4. 
the latter part of that, it says that there are there are seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Now, there's not seven spirits of God, seven Holy Spirits. Word seven is complete. Now, that's, we have, there's two sides of this. He is everything we need. Complete. The Holy Spirit is everything we need for regeneration. Complete. And on his side, he is all power. And he does whatsoever the, the uh, covenant of grace declares. This is, the Holy Spirit is complete. And he is everything complete that we need. We'll not see God without regeneration. We'll not see God without him revealing Christ to us. It is the complete revelation. We'll not learn a We'll not learn a whit on our own. We must be revealed to us. We'll not learn anything from God unless God gives it to us through his Holy Spirit. He is the complete revelation. He is the completeness of the book. He's the complete trainer. He is the complete studier. He is the complete giver. He is the complete... Everything about him is absolute complete. He is the seven complete spirit of God. And he has everything that we need. And God supplies it completely, without reservation. We have a need. We must be. He teaches us. He's the only one that can teach us. Now, we have teachers. God uses people to teach us, but it's the Holy Spirit that brings it to our heart. We can hear for a thousand years, and one day, bingo, the lights come on. We see the grace of God. We thought we did, or we didn't care we did, but one day, on the road to Damascus, Saul of Tarsus had his eyes opened, and God quickened him. And it was so complete by the seven spirits of God, the complete spirit of God. Everything about it was absolute what Paul needed and couldn't supply, but was given by the complete spirit of God. And so around the throne is the spirit of God in his completeness, and he is to the, the four and twenty elders. He is all their need. He t teaches them, trains them, leads them, directs them, walks with them. He's the complete walk, the complete trainer. And the same is true about everyone that's in the church of God. He is our completeness. When it comes to the interpretation of this book, it is the Holy Spirit that teaches us. And when he's teaching us, the, the Lord Jesus Christ said about the Holy Spirit, when he has come, he will testify of me. So if we're off on a track and we're away from Christ, it's not the Holy Spirit that's leading us. The Holy Spirit will lead us to see Christ. The Holy Spirit will not lead us away from Christ. And I'll say this, the Holy Spirit will never, ever lead God's people to go against the law of God. Now we're not kept by the law. We're not saved by the law. And it's not our guide for life. But the Holy Spirit will never lead us to lie about God. The Holy Spirit will never lead us to bear false witness about God. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit will cause us to confess Christ. 
and praise God. And to this side and to this side, he gets blamed for a lot of things that he doesn't have a wit apart of. He has one part. I will lead you into all truth. I will lead you to Christ. I'll teach you of Christ. I'll teach you of holiness. I'll teach you of righteousness. I'll teach you. And that's what, and it's a complete teaching. So, verse 6, before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. In the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four living creatures full of eyes and before and behind, and I like that. They see the past and they see the future and they're in it. And I believe these are just declarations of the gospel. Various aspects of the the message of Christ. He is my son of man. He is my king. He is my servant. And he is my God. They declare that so simply. Let's not leave the simplicity that is in Christ. Thank you.